The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. Tonight's guest, or today, or wherever you are in the world, or whatever time it may be, is Ajit. Now, Ajit is the CEO of a platform that you might not have heard about right now, but I can tell you, you're going to hear a lot about it right now and into the future. The company is called ZebPay or ZebPay. It's a pleasure having you on the show. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mate, uh, I'm really interested in talking to you. And a lot of that base is from where you've built your base from. Now, we're going to get to that in just a moment. What I'd love you to start off with is what your background is. So, personally, I have been in the startup slash entrepreneurship space all my life. I have set up two companies of my own, yep. had a very exciting exit of one and a somewhat happy exciting of an ending of another. And in addition, I have been a full-time angel investor for about five years of my life, led uh, business incubation, mentoring, acceleration, and other similar stuff, getting businesses off the ground. Uh, worked in formal settings, such as with a venture capitalist, as well as heading the business incubator of India's biggest engineering school, and in early stage settings. So I've always been into tech. And once upon a time, going back to the early 90s, that meant talking about electronic fund transfer, electronic data interchange, something that eventually became e-commerce. When I was teaching it at the University of Texas in Austin, the word e-commerce hadn't been invented. <laughs> eventually, it led to many things. Uh, and today, it has brought me, as of September of 2016, it has brought me to cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I know if you're listening on the podcast, which I know most of you are, that's just blowing my hair back. And if you're watching, you know I've got no hair, so there ain't no hair to blow back. There's not many guests that are more suited to where they are at than you, Ajit. So thank you so much once again for your time. Look, um, a couple of things to, to cover. I mean, you, you, let's talk about your successes first before we come into ZPay and really get in the nitty-gritty of what that is. You mentioned you've had a couple of uh, – one, I think you, the way you said it was an exciting exit, and, and the other was a semi-exciting exit. So – why? If I was to describe an exciting exit, an exciting exit for me would buy me the time to kind of vanish for a year or two, recapture what I think is something that I'm very interested in and willing to put my time and energy into aside from taking time away from my family. So why on earth are you the CEO of ZebPay? Because the CEO's role it's the buck stops at you, my man. Why on earth are you doing this? So, so let me tell you the exciting exit happened when I was 30 years old. 30, and, three, zero. Uh, zero, that's correct. I'm 49 today. So Happy birthday have, then. Yeah, well, I didn't mean <laughs> literally today. I mean... <laughs> I know, I'm just being a funny bugger. Yeah, cool. Uh, that's <laughs> happened to me before in somebody who was very sincere. He's like, what luck I caught you on your birthday. <laughs> but... So here's the thing. Uh, the reason I called it an exciting exit is pretty much the way you defined it. I thought at that point that I had made enough money that if I were to put it in a bank, not a riskier investment than that, I could live off my interest income for the rest of my life. And I did do that for four years after exiting. In okay. this time, I had my first 
child and then my second child. I authored my first book. I traveled a lot. Then since, it start, since retirement started getting boring, I started consulting. And there was just so many people who fundamentally came and told me, though not in these many words, that they wanted to do what I had done. So that mm. presents a very good opportunity, right, for a consulting practice. Except as I soon discovered that up until that point of time, all my customers, because of the nature of my business, would pay me first and I would deliver the goods later. In consulting, billing occurs at the end. And it was at 33 years of age that I, for the first time, realized that collecting payables was not an obvious path. Mm. And somehow I had not gone through that rigor yet. It did not seem like too much fun. As in, I did my job, you pay me. Uh, people didn't necessarily work that way. That coupled with the fact that it was very strenuous to be retired, right? It was very strenuous. I thought work was so much more easy. That around <laughs> 2004, 2005, I got into business again. And that was my second venture. It's really interesting. You know, like, you know, I have personal mentors of mine that had a very similar journey. You know, by 40, they were retired and had more money than they could ever desire. They bought their boats, they bought their Porsches, they bought their houses, they, you know, they, they did all those sorts of things. And then you get to a certain point, I'm not speaking for myself, but they get to a certain point and they say, I've got more to give. You know, my, my dad was going to retire at 50 years old. He's a custom build home, uh, sorry, custom home builder, I should say, in a place called Noosa Heads. And at 50, he, was, he had made enough money. He was like, I'm, I'm going to retire. But then the little, just grabs a hold of you and you go, I got more to give. You know, it's quite young. So I commend you for what you've done because you, you could literally be sailing off into the sunset, but you've either got it or you don't. So it's great to have you with us today. So talk me into ZebPay. What is ZebPay? Where did it start? And what has been your initial first phase market play? Okay. So ZebPay has three founders. It was founded, I'm not one of those three. It was founded about five years ago. Initially, the idea was to become what today one would call a cryptocurrency wallet. So a mechanism for storing digital assets. Uh, ZPay was first founded in Singapore with that intent. And it became obvious to the founders within months of starting that while it was a very important need, there weren't that many people who had digital assets that they would want to store it. So they said, okay, we need to take one step back and help people get on ramp, convert their fiat money into digital assets. And uh, while the original plan was to be a global company because digital wallets really are non-geographical, but the business of setting up an exchange actually had regulatory and other such geographical restrictions. So they chose to set it up in India. And shortly thereafter, they went app only in fact, we were app only for the first four plus years of our existence. Today, we have a web platform too. And uh, it worked out pretty well. In fact, in our estimate, over 80% of Indians who first got into crypto got in through Zeppe because, wow. of, because of A, it was app only. And Indians, many of them access the internet primarily from use on their mobile device as yeah. opposed to a desktop or laptop. And many more do it exclusively on the mobile device. So because of that, huge customer support, ease of use and the likes, uh, we got into the critical mass where 
liquidity brings in more liquidity and you know success brings in more success and in terms of volumes uh, usually for most of our existence two thirds to three fourths of india's daily volume was on our exchange alone so those were our early successes uh, there are some things which i can in all honesty tell you i believe in and i i'm i have conviction except that i am a biased party i am from zepay so it would sound like yeah you would say that uh, i think the biggest one of these is around security uh for most of my tenure in zepay which started in at the beginning of 2018 uh we would spend more on our security security team security infrastructure alone than anybody else was doing uh in their full expenditure as in in their okay. income and expenditure their full expenditure was lower than what we were spending on uh, security alone so that is what brought us to you know continuing to grow very rapidly and you know 2017 in some part of early part of 18 was just such a ramp up in price and from our point of view volume because we were dealing with more and more customers uh given that our dna was more suited to helping people enter this new paradigm uh, and a lot of people were entering the space so we were very busy we knew we wanted to be a global player we had what it took primarily because at a product level this is borderless uh, but it took us all the way until the end of 2018 when we were deep in crypto winter that we decided that we need to spread overseas and today uh, in may of Are we already in May or not? Yeah, of course. Today, Where in May, two thousand nineteen. I've been flying since April. You know, okay, I'm I get it. I get it. I get it, man. I get it. <laughs> so, so, so that uh, brings us to Australia. Well, let's take a step back because a couple of fascinating things about the story is that um, you were a wallet. You became an exchange. Now, look, I, 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 I'm a. Um, avid reader of emerging markets and that's how I really came into this space I've I've been trading and investing I've been investing since I was 16 years old I've been trading for the last 13 years so <clears throat> India has been a really interesting India and Africa have been two very interesting sectors or or, or partial markets that I, that I have had an interest in now in India there is a massive disparity of wealth to poor you can have the, the i mean that building that that dude has is like a billion dollar building which is right next door to a slum there's there's a real like south africa a haves and have nots and it's literally a fence that divides the two with respect to the platform I, most of your volume in the early days as you say from india uh you've done if i may uh, i believe you done about 2 billion dollars of transactions from fiat to cryptocurrencies is that right that is correct okay now I would imagine that many of those and I, look correct me if I'm wrong would be relatively small transactions because of the depth of or the lack of income equality in India and people that may be seen as having disposable income which in the western world we think of someone who's a, who who is a lawyer or a qualified person or whatever they may be they get disposable income in the in in the Indian country a disposable income might be somebody who's doing IT who who's getting $8 US an hour so it's a different demographic it's a different viewpoint and it's cultural culturally very big shifts between what the western world and the eastern world are used to now with the transactional volume of that 2 billion dollars into crypto and you've got 3 million accounts from my understanding that's correct 
do you have you found that there's a lot of micro transactions and that the lower well not the lower but i guess the lower middle uh socioeconomic demographic are trying to find a way out and therefore willing to risk their small amount of disposable income to grip onto something that might actually give them something truly special i think that uh, you're absolutely right but i want to amplify that by saying that the disparities are not just in income or in wealth. The more painful part, in my opinion, and I must say that I come from some position of privilege, so I should not arrogate the right to you know, say I feel or can feel adequately for an underprivileged person. But I think that the other than income and wealth, the disparity in opportunity is the bigger one. Yep. Because all the best opportunities go to the guys at the top of the pyramid, right? But yep. that is not true about crypto. Like if you had the smallest amount of money, which for India, example in India would be 100 rupees is what they could deposit into Zepay, which the equivalent of that would be two Australian dollars. So they could put in that much money and buy crypto and even make a withdrawal, a fiat withdrawal of that much money back, and, uh, yeah, back to their bank account. So it absolutely enabled people at not the absolute bottom of the pyramid, but yeah. pretty much low in the pyramid to get in. And why I say not the absolute bottom is because they did need a device and connectivity. Well, they had no access, right? That's correct. So, so in light of that, what was very interesting is that just like you have in Australia, Melbourne, Sydney, top two cities accounting for you know, close to 40% of the population, we have our big cities too. But our greatest volumes, both in terms of number of customers, as well as in terms of number of transactions, did not come from the top five to eight cities. Okay. So, so that was very interesting because, you know, one thinks it's obvious that a city which has much greater population, much greater wealth, much greater affluence is where your market is going to be. So our head office was in the city of Mumbai, earlier called Bombay. But our volumes were coming from cities where, where we didn't all, all, always know where those cities were on the map. So you are absolutely right. Uh, the, we, we hark on the decentralized nature of this technology, which I think is a great feature. But often we forget the democratizing power of this technology. And that is what our experience in, even going forward, while the experience in you know, uh, an underdeveloped or a developing country might be very different from the Western world or the developed country. But in any society, disparity exists. There is no doubt about it, right? Disparity yeah. might be at a different scale. You know, we might be operating at a different scale of disparity, but it exists. It's just the way it is. Look, look. One of the real major reasons, other than the fact that Zeb uh, Zebpay is Zebbit is coming to Australia, I, I'm I'm one of the major reasons that I was really excited about the interview with you, mate, is because uh, I am somebody who was an investor. And I've been investing for a long time. I'm 35 years old. I've this is my life, and part of the reason I've had success is by managing to see things as an investor, not a trader that are a little bit ahead. So if, if you can speak to the right people, you can maybe build out your, your viewpoint of a future of a certain asset class. Yeah. Now someone that's in your position, the reason I asked about the Indian market is that India is huge. You have a lot of people and we've already seen the rising middle class of China and what that's done to not only Australia, because Australia has been saved. We are the dumbest nation of people as a demographic globally, like as a whole country, 
our leaders want to dig shit out of the ground, excuse my French, drive it through the middle of the Great Barrier Reef. They want to stick wells in the Great Australian Bight to pump oil that could ruin the entire south coast of Australia, which is literally thousands of kilometres of pristine, untouched nature reserve coastline. Our politicians are stupid. They are stupid. They are caught in the Stone Age. They are not thinking for the future. Technology, we've got a lot of smart people in this country, but we don't seem to invest in it. The reason I'm very interested about this interview with you is because India is the next emerging economy. Uh, India will have that next shift, provided that the governance uh, allows it and pushes it forward and um, incentivizes the people of India to step forward. If you consider China 20 years ago, it was very similar to India. There was the haves and have-nots, and there was not much of a bridge in between. India, I hope, I hope that that's on the same path. And statistic-wise, it does appear that it is. Now, the fact that India has now, they're growing up as a nation of educated individuals with better paying jobs, with a new industry, which is technology, you, you know, we outsource a lot of our stuff to people in India that can build stuff for us for a much more competitive price. If their investment choice, as they grow as a nation, or as India grows as a nation, is more cryptocurrency than it is stocks, bonds, foreign exchange, and commodities, then we have got something that is truly explosive. And that's why I was asking you the questions about it. Now, let's scrap away from India. I do appreciate your opinions on that because it... I ask, I'm very fortunate. I get to ask people the questions that I want to know the answers to. And right. you just help me with that. And the listeners, I hope, enjoy that as well. And they typically do. Now, you're moving into Australia. Why? So, we believe we have a product that is global in nature. We believe we have a process. We believe we understand the space. And we want to make it available to the whole world. Right? Now, you can't do it on, in one day. So yep. you have to decide where to start. And I've said this before uh, in a couple of places. So if, uh, if people hear it for a second time, it's obvious because it's so much the truth that we applied three criteria to decide which country we want to go to. We applied the criteria number one was a country should have a potential of a very significant domestic market and should be at its early stages of adoption. So about like about a dozen countries fit into that space. The second bit, was that the regulatory climate in terms of the licensing, registrations, and what it takes to become a cryptocurrency exchange should not be insane. It should not be that the, it seems like the government is out to get you or just does not want to talk to you. That narrowed it down further. And finally, it had to be a good place to do business in general. Yeah. Right. And I must tell you that you apply these three filters, Australia comes way up top. And the icing on the cake is that in addition to these three blessings that Australia has. And sometimes people in a country do not recognize how, how blessed they are to be in a particular country. But we also met the community. Uh, this, this afternoon I had lunch in the, with Bitcoin maximalists. Uh, the lunch was paid using Bitcoin, coincidentally. Uh, people really excited to do this stuff. I was in Melbourne for the last two days. I had meetups there. So the community is A, very passionate, and B, very accepting. As in, I never felt that I was a foreigner being viewed suspiciously uh, or worse, right? So given all of this, Australia is the best place for us to have gone. We made that decision. Oh, you've made my heart swell with joy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wonderful sales pitch. And look, uh, it's not a sales pitch. I, I, look, I've been speaking with Ajit prior to this interview and I know that he means it. And uh, I have, in fact, invited Ajit when he comes back from Consensus in New York to take him out for dinner because um, I want to know more about what you're doing. Um, one thing I will warn you about with the Australian marketplace is that you can come in, I'm not saying this is you, you can come in with your shining lights, your whistles, your bells, and all your promise of fortune. We are a very tight-knit community. Yes, we have very little regulation around who can get involved in markets. Yes, per capita, we have an extraordinarily strong crypto market space and understanding and growth and potential. And yes, we are smart enough to, you know, the investment uh, level is higher than many demographics. And the third or fourth or fifth, I'm not quite sure how many yeses that I'm on, we are also uh, open. We are open to working with others. We want to see the space grow, deliver, and, and, and help us. The way to do it, and there's a way not to do it. Now, we have seen the likes of other exchanges fall over. So you need a good strategy, Ajit. Uh, you need to know the market. You need to understand our market. And you need to offer something that's better. We are not suckers. I'm not suggesting you think we are, but you're not going to walk in through the Australian front door and offer nothing new and expect to get new accounts in this country because we are an educated mass. We're smart. We're connected. We work together. You've got to bring something. It's got to be unique. You need to give us something that either we don't already have or you make it 2% better than what we already have. Got it. So, you know, uh, if I may, the business of cryptocurrency exchanges is uh, unique in the fact that you cannot offer the delivered product, which is different from anybody else. So if you went to any exchange and you bought Bitcoin, you get the same Bitcoin. I cannot say my Bitcoin is smoother, shinier, flashier, more durable, tastier, prettier than another Bitcoin. Having said that, my product is not only what I get, what I deliver. My product is my customer's belief in me, my security, my ease of use, my support. When you run into trouble and you need help and you reach out to me and you want customer support, that all of this is the experience that a customer has. Uh, my belief is that if you do all the things at at least a hygiene level and some of the things really well, starts looking like a differentiator. And since you talked about how, you know, I should not expect to walk into Australia and say, oh, give me your money or <laughs> something along those lines. I think that one of the risks that a lot of companies that have been successful in one market and then now try to replicate in another market, one of the risks they face is that they somehow develop a sense of entitlement that, you know, hey, look how successful I was there. So obviously you, I'm should, the best. Yeah, you should worship me or you will want me. And uh, uh, I think that the way uh, I have entered Australia is that forget the 3 million number, very impressive to me. Uh, if I do a hundred signups in a month, while hundred might seem negligible compared to a number like 3 million, because 3 million plus, or So I have come in with patience. I have come in with the intention of, you know, growing with the market as opposed to demanding my rightful place under the sun. 
Well, let me tell you the first way to get an Australian's nose out of joint. And we are a very, very loyal bunch of people. Um, I've lived in many different places around the world and friendship and business. We are loyal. Uh, you do the right thing by us. We are with you. You do the wrong thing by us or you walk in with that swagger that everyone expects that you're the bomb. No one gives two hoots about that, my man. It's about proving your worth. It's about helping us to achieve our goals. And any business transaction, it's about what do you want and what do we want? And if we can connect in the middle, business will be done. The second you overstep that mark, you are in all sorts of what we would call up shit creek without a paddle. But with that being said, that is not a threat. It's a welcome sign. We welcome you into Australia. I would love to be a part of your development within our country. But before we do that, I'd love to sit down, learn about what the product is, how we can help you to provide something that Australians want. Because I will be honest with you, a lot of the exchanges here in Australia that are Australian based, they're very easy to use, but we lack some functionality especially on the trading side. There's a lot of trading functionality that will ultimately not just be for Australians, but a global appetite of people that are like me. We are traders. I can't raise an entry and a stop loss in the same goddamn market with an OCO order. That to me, it knocks my goddamn hair off. And you can see I haven't got much here. See that shiny <laughs> stuff on top of my head? That's called no good order system. So Ajit, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Can you please let us here in Australia, the US, the UK, India, all around the world with this podcast reaches, where can we find more information about you and Zeb Pay? Very simple. On the internet, zebpay.com, which is Z-E-B-P-A-Y.com. Or on the iOS store or app store, you can look for Zeb Pay and that's the easiest way. If you want to connect with me, don't try something like Facebook. Let's do LinkedIn. Let's do Twitter. Or you can send me email. I'm Ajit, A-J-E-E-T, dot Khurana, K-H-U-R-A-N-A, at zebpay.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Ajit, the CEO of Zebpay. I'm going to tell you up front right now. He's going to be in New York and Singapore for the next couple of weeks. I can't connect with this bloke. You can't either. When he gets back to Sydney, I'll give you the heads up then you can contact him because I know what it's like when you go to these two places. I know what consensus is like, my man. Enjoy your time over there. I wish you all the best moving into the Australian market. If there's any way that we can help, then surely we will look to do so. But you've got to bring us something special, my man. Thank you so much for your time and I wish you all the best going forward. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Bye for now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cobb courses, products, and tools can be found at tradercobb.com because experience matters.